0: The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Thursday edition of Brutal Nation. I am your illustrious host, the one, the only Scott Alexander. And right across from me is Tammy, the Terror. Underwood, say hi, you wrestling fucker. You,
1: <laughs> hello.
0: You're like the you're like a lucha libre. Oh. Oh. <laughs> to tell Tommy the Terra Underwood, Tommy the
1: Sasquatch Underwood, weighing in at. <clears throat> Never mind. <laughs> Weighing
0: in at four hundred and fifty-five pounds. Punch you
1: in your nose. That's what I weighed like ten years ago. No,
0: I'm thinking like muscles and shit like that, man. Yeah,
1: remember who's that dude?
0: <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't get that joke, so we're flipping through some pictures, and then Tammy's on, you know. And this is me here and there, and this is my family, bro. You yeah. Because um, you know, I'm I, her family's pretty rocket. And I look at this picture of her. it's a group picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I it, point. It, it's it's a it's a four generation picture,
0: and I point to it. Who's this dude? <laughs> and she goes, "That's me, you prick."
1: <laughs> it was. It was me with short hair <laughs> and at four hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, yeah. I looked. I looked like a dude. My son. When I told my son about that, he goes, "Well, mom." Um, in his in his defense, you weren't doing yourself any favors. <laughs> well, I'm
0: just saying the dude in the picture looks like he had a bigger dick than I have.
1: He probably did. So,
0: <laughs> like swinging more meat than a butcher <laughs> shop.
1: Yeah, that was our four-generation picture when my grandma was still alive.
0: And two of those generations were you. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs>
1: <No>.
0: <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> so. I, I love it when I can get you like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, it, hey, it's but, not like you can see me either, so how <laughs> do you know?
0: <laughs> By the way, I want to give a special thou- shout-out to all of the people who like... Whenever I post on our, our Facebook page and oh, share yeah, yeah. it uh, with with other um, groups and everything, groups that do serial killers, um, I had a list of people that consistently always give me the thumbs up and like, yeah, it really does. You you it. Thank you. I mean, yeah, like seriously, it
1: really, I mean, it makes us feel better about what we're doing, too. It makes yeah, us feel it, like we're making a difference.
0: Yeah, it, it, it helps and what have not. And then I had a bad comment about you know, me talking too much about myself. You know, please keep this in mind. Number one, I take constructive criticism. It's all cool. But this is for entertainment. Yeah, we're not we're, we're, we're not trying to catch a serial killer or, yeah. or dissect them. Yeah. You know, outside of just being jackasses and sitting there going, this is what I think. You know, and my limited yeah, knowledge we're of psychology. we
1: detectives, right? Oh
0: no, exactly. You know, and my limited knowledge of psychology. Yeah, I've got the degree, but I'm not a fucking. Yeah, you're not a clinical
1: or a research psychologist. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Nah.
0: That's just whatever fucking pops out of my mouth. Yeah. This is what I think. I think that uh, that he needed to uh, do more butt stuff.
1: I was going to say, you didn't even get a doctorate in psychology, did you?
0: No. Yeah, I didn't no, no. think so. I just got my bachelor's degree in, yeah. in, in psychology. I don't have a doctorate. I've got uh, a, the, the master's in music. Right. And then my bachelor's in psychology. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: Good well, times. there you go.
0: All right, so... I want you to tell me about this guy, and I got to tell our, our listening audience. So I'm reading the title of this, right? Yes. And I see confessions of one man, and a colon. This is a genuine idiot, or just an? And this is what my brain read, an exploded killer. <laughs> so I look over the the the, the sound screen here to, to yes. Tammy. I go, exploded killer. Really? She,
1: what? Exposed. I was like, where are you seeing this? <laughs> it's
0: exposed. And then I read it again. Oh, fuck. Yes. There there I am. I've apparently hooked on phonics and shit didn't work it, for it me. It did
1: not work for you. Hey, <laughs> did you pay for your education like you did your son's? No. <laughs> Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to share something with our listening audience. Shh, they, they will get into quiet. this. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> so we're sitting over here and we're talking earlier today um, yeah. and, and working on the show. And I can't. Oh, uh,
1: I asked about Napoleon yeah, the third,
0: right? Uh, Tammy had asked, Hey, which Napoleon, um, something like w- was the one that was a maniac that yeah, invaded. the, the you know, craze what, killer, yeah, the craze killer one. And I said, I honestly don't know. And my son looks at us both full heartedly and said, Wasn't he the one who discovered America?
1: <laughs> Those are your education dollars. Well spent. <laughs> <sighs> I'm telling you, you need a refund.
0: <laughs> they should pay me for the time that he's been there.
1: Oh my god, that is so funny.
0: And um they should provide me with drugs.
1: <laughs> and, and unlimited counseling. And unlimited
0: counseling just by <laughs> saying that this is the same kid that didn't know what the word penitentiary meant. Yeah. Which shocked the hell or out verbiage. of me. Or verbiage. That's yeah. not a real word. No, the verbiage wait, is a real word. Wait,
1: verbi- wait until we say vernacular.
0: <laughs> oh, don't say that, man. His head will explode. <laughs> All we'll hear is pop. And you know, there'll be brains. Well, there won't be brains everywhere, but there'll
1: be <laughs> There'll be something confetti. <laughs> like probably
0: confetti and freaking clown noses.
1: <laughs> nah. Oh.
0: So um So tell me about your exploded yeah, killer.
1: Your exploded killer. Anyway, this story is about um Charles Anthony Boyd. Now, when we began this podcast a year ago, you know, we only had one goal in mind, to present cases that very few people had heard of. You know, that is exactly what we talked about. Correct, correct. And there are times when I look at the list that we have compiled already of potential presentations, and even though we haven't even scratched the surface with that list, it seems like there's no end. Right? (laughs) True. So, with so many options, sometimes it's difficult to decide which one we're going to present in any given week.
0: So, you explode them?
1: Yeah, (laughs) So I'll be honest, well, and the reason why that part's so funny, you'll get it in a minute. I'll be honest, sometimes I'll either close my eyes and point, or I'll pick one with the most bizarre moniker, just because I want to make it interesting for everyone. In fact, that's how I chose the case we are presenting today, Charles Anthony Boyd.
0: And the gay slayer, (laughs) which is still, I sing that every day, I go
1: gay slayer. I know you do. So in comparison to other serial killers we have covered and will cover, Charles Anthony Boyd doesn't really stand out in any way. He operated in Texas, more specifically the Northeast Dallas area, and even more specifically, the women he killed all lived at the Woodstock Apartments on Skillman Street. But I'll get to that in a minute. I just want to give you an idea of how unremarkable his case is in comparison to the big picture. When I sit down to do the research on this case, I'm not exaggerating when I say there really wasn't a whole lot of information out there about him. In fact, I'm getting a lot of the information for today's presentation straight from his court records. Mm. Yeah. However, when I was going through the list to choose a case, I wanted to pick one with the weird moniker. I chose the one for a very specific reason. Charles Anthony Boyd became known throughout Texas in 1987 as the bathroom slayer. <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott, you're not the original. Oh my god! <laughs> That's why when you said exploded, I was like, what the fuck?
0: holy shit you know I, it, it's weird that we're doing this today because of, i was
1: gonna say you've had some major issues today like the,
0: this morning it has been stuff. something's not right with my stomach yeah and uh, i definitely slayed the bathroom but apparently this is like this is like the father of bathroom slaying
1: yes yes he he is the, he's the bathroom slayer my
0: predecessor right here there you
1: go So as I was reading through the little information about Charles I could find, I did discover that it was a surprisingly controversial case. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. However, after he was in prison, there was a lot of debates surrounding him and his conviction. Some say it was a simple cut-and-dry case of murders. Others say it was actually ethically controversial. Honestly, after going through all the information I have available to me, I don't know exactly which side of the debate I fall on. Um, I'll have a, probably have a better idea after we can discuss it. Cause you know, sometimes you see it from somebody else's perspective. It gives you a clearer picture. Mm-hmm. So Charles is said to have sexually assaulted and killed three women. In fact, when he was arrested in April of 1987, he was charged with three counts of murder. In the end, he only stood trial for one capital murder charge. Oh, okay. And I'll talk about why the prosecution didn't try him for the other two murders in just a little bit. The controversy doesn't lie in whether or not he committed the murders, although there is some question there as well. The controversy was centered around the sentence he was given and whether it was a legally ethical one. But again, I want to tell you the details before we get into that debate. I spent a lot of time trying to dig up as much as I could about Charles Anthony Boyd prior to his arrest in 1987. My grandpa used to always say, you can't get blood out of a turnip, which when I was younger never made any sense to me. However, while I was trying to find information on Charles, I found myself thinking about that phrase. Mainly because Charles' life is the turnip and the information I wanted just wasn't there.
0: Squeeze harder. I know. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm talking to my lady friend over here. Squeeze harder. Oh, shut up. Squeeze harder. (laughs) So
1: Charles Anthony Boyd was born on August 17, 1959. 59, excuse me. Remember, the information prior to his arrest for murder was vague at best. If I'm interpreting it correctly, he was born and raised in the Dallas area, and he had at least one brother. That's all the information I really found until a little bit later, but I'll get into it. Um, now, let's fast forward to the age of 24. There's a little bit more information. In late 1983, Charles was arrested and charged with burglary and sexual assault. He was ultimately convicted of those charges and was given a, a five-year prison term. He served less than two and a half years before he was given an early release by the Pearl Board in November of 1985. Sometime after he was released, before July of 1986, Charles got a job at a bank in Dallas working as a janitor. He was still working there in July when he moved to the Woodstock Apartments, which were located at 7160 Skillman Street, which, from what I could tell on the map, is just like a housing district now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, to live with his brother. That, that was where he was living, and it's also apparently where he committed the murders. Now, the first woman Charles is said to have murdered was 37 year old Tipuan Nakusan.
0: What <laughs> That's yeah. very, very Asian. She
1: was an immigrant from Thailand. Oh, there you go. Yeah. She she immigrated. She didn't migrate.
0: I'm surprised she didn't kick his ass, because Asians are all ninjas.
1: They they are pretty... She's like yeah. A
0: Taiwanese freaking ninja yeah. over there. She goes, what blah, the... Blah, and like, whoop his ass.
1: Yeah. So at the time of her murder, she was working as a waitress and lived in the apartment... I, I have un... And lived in the apartment right above where Charles and his brother stayed. Um, now... Tipp one's body was discovered in her bathtub on July twenty-second, nineteen eighty-six. According to the coroner's report, she had been stabbed several times before her killer suffocated her to death. And th- then he left her in a tub full of water.
0: Ew, the gross. second victim
1: was twenty-two-year-old LaShun or LaShawn Chappelle Thomas.
0: That is a black girl.
1: Yeah. She was a nursing aide who worked at a local nursing home. And by September 15th, 1986, one of her <laughs> friends was getting very concerned since so she had not heard from LaShawn for, you know, approximately two weeks. She went to, over to the apartment only to find LaShawn's dead body lying in her full bathtub. According to the medical examiner's report, her cause of death was listed as, quote, fatally stabbed. He also indicated that her body had been in the bathtub for approximately 14 days before she was discovered oh
0: damn that right there is LaShawn soup that's what that is
1: well and I get into that here because I'm no stranger to death in fact before my son was born I was an in-home caregiver for a dear friend of mine who had colon cancer and I was at the apartment with him on the day he died which was April 1st 1999 then on August 30th 2014 I held the hand of my father as he passed away I know firsthand that almost as soon as a person is dead, an indescribable odor surrounds them. An odor that's unlike anything you've ever really smelled before, but once you have, it's unmistakable. I had a hard time staying in the room with my dad's body until the funeral home came to take him away. Therefore, I can't imagine what it would smell like after 14 days in the late August, early September heat of (laughs) Texas. I relayed this information to you for a reason. Because after Charles was arrested, it was revealed that for 13 days after he mar- he murdered LaShawn, before her body was discovered, he and his brother both complained to each other about the putrid odor that was permeating the complex. Oh, my
0: God. That's fucked up. Yeah. Like, that, like, yeah. No, like for real, man. Yeah. Sitting there and bitching about the smell. I don't know what that smell is, yeah, brother. exactly. That, just, that smells like death, but I don't know anything about yeah. death or dying.
1: Yeah. So, in other words, the smell is so bad. That someone other than the killer knew something wasn't right, even if they didn't know exactly what was wrong. Yet for two weeks, no one complained to the apartment manager or tried to find the source of the stench. That makes absolutely no sense to me, especially considering it was a complex, which indicates there are multiple units on the property, right?
0: Right. You would think that everybody... Within in the, the complex in would the be complex. like, where
1: the fuck is going on here?
0: At least within a ten to twenty apartment radius would be like, yeah, dude, something's not right. Like, well, call the manager, call yeah. somebody because something's like that's bad.
1: Because yeah, when we covered Dorothea Puente, her neighbors had complained about the smell coming from her house. Right,
0: right, right, and you she know? had actually buried and she, people. Yeah,
1: and she had a yard to separate them. Yeah, God, so that's I couldn't not imagine right. in a apartment complex in Texas.
0: Yo. Gross!
1: Doesn't that just gross you out?
0: I I, I was grossed out with LaShawn's soup. Yeah. Much less that sitting there in fucking fourteen days yeah. permeating, you know, everybody who's living there's yeah. nostrils. You wake up in just the morning, doing. you smell them. This is
1: well, and then damn. submerged in water too, which means it was even worse. Oh,
0: totally, man. Totally. Yeah. A lot of bacteria. Because
1: well, and... water accelerates the decomposition process.
0: Correct, because you start to bloat and all that like, shit.
1: Now I'm gonna throw up. So not long after the details about LaShawn's murder was released to the media, people were already starting to link it with the murder of Tippamon back in July. Once the connection was made with the media, made with the, de- with the deaths, various media outlets in the Dallas area decided to give it a name. It was then they started referring to them as bathroom slayings. That eventually bathroom led slayer. to Charles being called the bathroom slayer. Is that right up there with Gay Slayer?
0: That is. I'm going to start singing that when I'm whenever I'm exploding in the bathroom. Every,
1: every morning I'm going to hear, bathroom slayer. Oh,
0: yeah, man. You're going to be, hey, Scott, what are you doing? Bathroom slayer. And then the smell's going to permeate. <laughs>
1: Yay. You're, you're like,
0: do you have a body soaking in a tub for 14 days in there? i <laughs> will be
1: like, Scott, your ass is dead. <laughs>
0: I think Scott died and he just doesn't know it.
1: <laughs> yeah. For people don't understand why I can say this because I've been camped out on your couch now <laughs> until I get, my apartment comes through and I'm just like oh my god
0: <laughs> and you've had to put up with me
1: oh constantly. my god forever
0: ain't I a joy. you know it was
1: bad enough when you called me every day now that I'm living with you it's even worse it's fantastic <laughs> I we can't can get have, away from you <laughs> we can have
0: morning mor- morning meetings in the morning when I get up at three uh, thirty
1: in the bathroom. As from you're the slaying bathroom. It.
0: Exactly. I can call from the bathroom. Hey, what's the numbers on uh, on this over here? Like, no,
1: I get the text in the middle of the, at like at <laughs> night. Tammy, Tammy, <laughs> it's like, you're on the other side of the wall. Get your ass up, lazy fucker. <laughs>
0: no way. It's better to text you. I love it. I I always put it this way. I I put in regular letters, but Tammy, you do. Tammy. And then the next one's a little bit bigger. Like, Tammy.
1: I know. A little drawn out. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Then the third one's Tammy. All caps. <laughs> and then she'll send me back one. What? What could you possibly fucking want? Yeah. And I will say something stupid.
1: So, so random.
0: Yeah. Like random. Like, you know, like, like, do you think that, that, that penguins would use cell phones if they had towers where they live?
1: <laughs> or they had a opposable thumbs. If they had <laughs> thumbs. <laughs>
0: And she's all like, you're fucking retarded. Knock yeah, it off.
1: Dude, I'm going to hurt you. So um, after Tippamon was murdered, the authorities and residents of the complex thought it was just referred to as what they call a one-off. A single murder as opposed to one in a series or serial. However, they changed their opinion after LaShawn was killed. Prior to LaShawn's death, residents of the Woodstock apartment complex would regularly flock to the pool to hang out with their <laughs> friends. In fact, most of them rarely <laughs> ever locked their doors. After LaShawn's body was discovered, the atmosphere around the complex changed. Residents practically stopped gathering around the pool, not to mention everyone started to lock and chain their doors. Nearly every female living there started to worry they might be the next victim. As it turns out, their concerns were valid.
0: Well, yeah, man. The yeah. slayer is there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the third and final victim was twenty year old. He huh? could
0: be looking at the swimming pool, like that's a big bathtub.
1: He could have been.
0: I'm just saying he's like hmm, bathtub, swimming pool, same thing.
1: <laughs> I almost lost my teeth.
0: <clears throat>
1: <coughs> <laughs> Here's a
0: bath bomb, and you're dead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anyways, so the third and final victim was twenty year old, twenty one year old Mary Milligan. Have you noticed a pattern? I mean, a lack of a pattern here.
0: Yeah, like you, have you got Asian, one. you have yeah. black, and now this chick here, that is Irish as fuck.
1: Yeah, so very white.
0: She's like one, She she's probably sitting there going, I remember back in Ireland, I sat on the Blarney Stone. I, yeah. I, my friends were leprechauns." Like they she's were. She's Lucky Charms Irish, that's what the hell she is. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the
1: morning to you.
0: No, I, I bet, you know, she gets up in the morning, she's looking at the other neighbors in the woods talking about, Top of the morning to you, I'm going to go off to school. That's
1: <laughs> funny. I, I, I have I, to go to school. <laughs> did you see that video? Yeah, you sent it to that's,
0: me. That's how I learned how to say that because that little girl was hilarious. So, what she had happened hilarious. for our listeners? She was cute, too. Her parents had drawn these glasses around her eyes. And I think it was a removable marker I think or whatever it was. Too, it, was. Too, it had to be because still. nobody's done. And she's looking at me and Oh, what did you do? It's
1: so funny. It's not
0: funny. I've got to go to school. <laughs> what did you do? I got to go to school, and oh my god, I. <laughs> she I,
1: was so serious.
0: I laughed so hard at that. Seriously, I I peed my pants just a little bit. Like it was, it was bad. I <laughs> <laughs> got to go to school. <laughs> it's not funny. I
1: know. So, Mary was originally from the Lubbock area and moved to Dallas after graduating from Texas Tech University. She had gotten a job working for M-Bank as a bank management trainee. Now, the M-Bank she worked for was M-Bank 3 Dallas. Now, um, it later changed its name to Bank 1, and I read somewhere that it's now a U.S. bank. However, I wasn't able to confirm that one. But it's this huge, huge building, right? Like, huge structure. It's, like, gorgeous architecture wise
0: she should have stayed at work she wouldn't have gotten killed
1: i know right some reports claim that the murder took place on on april 13th and others indicated it occurred on april 14th when i went through the court documents they just stated on the day of the offense which didn't clarify the issue at all
0: well i'm pretty sure the day she died doesn't really matter to mary very much at this point
1: no but i mean you know that being said the autopsy report indicated the murder occurred at a time when mary normally would have been at work It just so happened that she stayed home that day because she had a sprained ankle. Since she was on crutches as well, it would have made it difficult for her to perform her work duties at the bank. On the day in question, Linda Williams, Mary's 20-year-old roommate, arrived home from work and found Mary's body in the bathroom. She was naked and face-up underwater in the bathtub. She immediately contacted the authorities.
0: Smart girl. Because we've seen this before where... She would have
1: tried to dry her out or something. Yeah, like where the
0: roommate or the spouse or the boyfriend, the girlfriend, uh, the significant other will come. And they're like, oh, my God, Bill's under the water or Mary's under the water. And they try to pull him out. And there's water everywhere trying to give him CPR. And then... You fuck up
1: all the evidence.
0: It fucks up the evidence and it always... Seems to go like this. And then Bob was arrested for the murder of his girlfriend and had to spend four years in prison while they were sorting this shit out. That's usually how it goes, man. okay, it's fucked up if your roommate gets murdered, if anybody that you know gets murdered. But if you find their body, boys and girls, do yourselves a favor. Do the victim a favor.
1: Check for a pulse.
0: Don't touch a fucking thing.
1: I would check for a pulse. But don't like move anything, you know. Because if she's still okay, alive, okay, I'll give
0: it that. Yeah, I mean, if she's still, if they're still alive, I mean, but if if they're cold, clammy, no pulse, yeah. back the fuck out the way you came in. Call the cops. Let them take care of it because that's all that evidence yeah, right there. Like when there.
1: the nine one one operator said to me the other day, "Did you check for a pulse? No, <laughs> <laughs> I just kept on."
0: <laughs> oh, uh, so I
1: saw that guy laying in the road.
0: So this is how bad my area is getting, and it was never this bad, man. Yeah, fucking. Squatch here. Tammy's going over to the store to grab a couple of things. She's in my truck. Yep. And my phone rings. I go, hey, what's up? You know, you like left three seconds ago. So, I know. Um. <laughs> yeah. This is what I hear. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know how to say this. So automatically my brain goes, you fucked up my truck. And now I'm going to have to fucking shoot you.
1: No, um, I would never call you and say that again.
0: <laughs> just
1: so. Yeah.
0: There was a guy laying in the bicycle lane on the road. And I thought he was a trash can.
1: <laughs> Before I came up on him, he looked like a tipped over a trash can. And in my
0: brain, it goes in like hand. this right here. It goes, uh, Did you run him over? If you <laughs> no. did, lock it into four wheel drive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll pressure wash it. <laughs> should, should I call the cops or 911? Yeah. But the fucked up thing was, <laughs> is so she does. She she calls nine one one. Says, "Hey man, there's a guy laying in the bicycle lane. Yeah. He's on the road. He looks like a dumped over trash can. Guy's gonna get killed." And the nine one one operator says, "Yeah, that's like the third call we've gotten about the same thing uh, in in the area. And it wasn't like this. Nobody called about this guy. There was like three other ones. Yeah,
1: three exactly. different people
0: doing the same thing. Same
1: thing in this area. But, I was just like, yeah, this is becoming Portland." Right. And I think that's something, I told her, I said, this is something we would see all the time in Portland.
0: Because like, I, I think you, had, you mentioned something like she yeah. didn't even seem surprised or shocked or like, no, really? Or, uh, okay, no, that's an emergency. No, this is a, it, Yeah. It, it was almost like she said, yeah, they delivered the newspaper to my, <laughs> to my front porch every day. Yeah. Like, she
1: said, we'll send somebody over there to check it out. But yeah, this isn't the first time we've heard something like this today. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> it's
0: freaking amazing. Jesus Christ.
1: Makes me not want to come to Vancouver.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Makes me not want to be in Vancouver either.
1: So, that being said... Oh, wait. Some report... Oh, never mind. Got it. Where but, are you at? I know. I lost it. After law enforcement officials processed the crime scene for forensic evidence, they actually led Linda on a walkthrough of the apartment to determine if anything had been taken. As she scanned the area, she noticed that Mary's wash and various other valuables were indeed missing. So, the, when the authorities searched her parking lot... ...of the apartment complex, they discovered that Mary's 1982 Cadillac was also missing. They even did a search of the street around the complex just to be sure, and it wasn't there either. So while conducting the autopsy, the medical examiner determined Mary's killer had sexually assaulted her. His determination was based on the presence of seminal fluid in her anal and vaginal cavities. He was able to collect viable samples for further analysis and comparison. The autopsy report also stated that after the killer sexually assaulted Mary, he used his hands to strangle her until she passed out. But when she was unconscious, he submerged her in the bathtub full of water. The medical examiner listed her official cause of death as the result of drowning.
0: Jeez, yeah, Christ, that's fucked up.
1: So when they processed the crime scene, they also <laughs> found some very significant evidence, which was collected and sent to Lev for further analysis as well. The first thing they found was the presence of DNA evidence on Mary's bedsheets. At the lab, technicians also found two strands of hair which were, proper, which were properly preserved for testing and comparison. Now, I make a point to keep pointing out that everything was properly preserved because it's going to come up.
0: Oh, no, I figured because usually yeah. when, you're, when you're this detail-oriented... Yeah, It means it's going to play a reason. in. It, yeah. it all leads back. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you.
1: Okay. So at the lab, technicians went about conducting the first round of forensic comparisons. They focused on the two strands of hair first, then moved on to the DNA. During the autopsy, the medical examiner collected samples of Mary's hair. When both samples were analyzed and compared side by side under a microscope, they didn't match. Their forensic report listed the hair as, quote, foreign to the deceased. Now, once the test was completed, they returned the samples to evidence, and that's where the foreign ha- hair samples were properly stored for further analysis. Next, they focused on the DNA evidence from the bedsheets. Keep in mind, these murders occurred at the time when DNA analysis was still in its infancy.
0: Right, right, right. The
1: tests available weren't even remotely as effective and advanced as they are today. The first thing the lab techs had to do was determine who that DNA belonged to. So they analyzed and compared the samples with blood the medical examiner had collected from Mary. According to the court reports, when the lab technicians analyzed the DNA from the sheets, they discovered it contained, quote, a genetic marker carried by approximately 32.5% of the population. When they, they analyzed the DNA sample collected from Mary, they determined that marker was absent from her blood sample. Therefore, they were able to definitively rule out the possibility that the DNA was hers. Then they analyzed the DNA in the, small, in the seminal fluid collected during the autopsy, and that test established that the genetic marker present in the DNA on the sheets was also in the seminal fluid. So they also determined that the seminal fluid collected from both the vaginal area and the anus area matched to the fluid, you know, matched each other. So those results definitively determined Mary had been sexually assaulted by only one person. So this was important because it let the detectives conducting the investigation know they were only looking for one perpetrator. After the first round of comparisons, everything was returned to proper storage, okay, in the event that they had a potential suspect. Now, in the United States, even the authorities have the DNA reports printed out. The defense has the right to have the samples tested at an independent lab. If those samples are not available for independent testing, it can hinder the prosecution's case or be grounds for an appeal, right?
0: Right, right, right. Because we've seen that before several times. Yeah,
1: several times. So, not long after the authorities notified Mary's family about her death, they turned to a close family friend for advice. Bill Sankel was a former officer from the Dallas PD, and he had retired after serving 26 years on the force and was living in Lubbock at the time. As soon as he was told about Mary's murder, he picked up the phone and called the Dallas Police Department. He still had contacts with officers and investigators on the forest, including Leady Texas handling Mary's murder case. He wanted to make sure they used extra care while they investigated her death. He later stated, Mary was a wonderful person. She had a full life ahead of her. She will always be greatly missing my heart. My wife and I took her in as one of our own. Now, the detectives at the crime scene issued a be on the lookout for Mary's (laughs) 1982 Cadillac as soon as they determined it was missing, it wasn't long before they received a report that it had been found. Whoever took the vehicle... That's supposed to be a little O. Because oh. one lookout is one word, dork. Whoever Fine. took the vehicle simply abandoned it on the side of the road across town. After they re- finished releasing that information, they contacted pawn shops in the area and the detectives provided the establishments with a description of Mary's watch and the other valuable items. They figured if the subject subject excuse me, suspect, didn't keep the items, he would trade them for cash at one or more pawn shop, right? Mm -hmm. As it turns out, the notifications to the pawn shops (coughs) led to a break in the case. The day after Linda found Mary's body, the authorities received a call from one of the pawn shops that told the detectives they had someone in the shop trying to pawn a watch and other valuables matching the description of the missing items. They rushed to the location so they could take the person trying to sell the items down to the station for questioning, and that person was Charles Anthony Boyd. Now, while the detectives were interviewing him, they asked him if they'd be willing to provide him with hair, blood, and saliva samples so they could run a comparison. And he complied with the request. And um, so they obtained from him were d- sent directly to the lab with a rush order on the testing. Now, when the crime <laughs> lab received the samples collected from Charles, they immediately began the second round of comparison. They took the two strands of hair that were collected from the sheets at the crime scene and placed, you know, did a side-by-side comparison. And in the comparison, they determined that his hair was consistent with the hair found at the crime scene. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Keep in mind, that was the extent of their testing and analyzing capabilities. Therefore, just for a moment, Anthony, Charles Anthony Boyd is an African-American male. Numerous tests have scientifically proven that African-American hair has a distinct texture and quality that is different from any other race. So, yeah, Charles' hair may have been, quote, consistent. But to be fair, every African-American in the Dallas area at the time could have provided a hair sample, and chances are at least 95% of them would have been consistent with the strands they found. Correct? Yeah.
0: No, I agree, yeah.
1: They couldn't have, at that time, they did not (coughs) have the capabilities of testing hair for presence of DNA. You know? Mm -hmm. So, there we go. Now, on to the blood samples. After the technicians were finished comparing the hair samples, they analyzed the blood. The the DNA of his samples indicated the presence of the same genetic marker found in the DNA evidence collected from the crime scene and the seminal fluid collected from Mary during the autopsy. Again, that was the extent of their (laughs) DNA testing capabilities, which was just a small step above what they could do in the 70s, which is only determine blood type. And I'm good. So I'm going to play devil's advocate one more time. Remember the specific DNA marker is present in approximately 32.5% of the population? Yep. So theoretically, they could have acquired a tested samples from 100 people in the Dallas area, and 32 of them, including Charles, would have tested positive.
0: Yeah, no. Therefore, yeah. they
1: could point an accusatory finger at any one of those 32 people who also happen to be African American and claim that they were their suspect. I agree. I mean... So yeah, This I mean, was like the, in the
0: 80s, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: 1987. I mean, because we didn't start getting into even more significant DNA testing until almost late 90s.
0: Yeah, and even then it was kind of shaky until like the 2000s. Yeah. Because we're at 2022 now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, look how long it took them to catch the Green River Killer and the Golden State Killer because of the DNA. Yeah. You know, they were waiting for the technology to advance.
0: True that, homie.
1: True Another, that.
0: Man, that's a white man trying to keep a black brother down right there. I'm telling you. Just saying.
1: Charles just happened to be the person pawning the items taken from Mary's apartment. Not to mention, he lived right across the hall from her and Linda. So while the detectives were waiting for the lab results, they decided to investigate Charles further. I put Charles. Charles further. I'll fix it. Okay. Um, they ran his name through the criminal database and discovered his earlier convictions for aggravated assault in Berkeley. At that point, Charles became their prime suspect, and the focus of the investigation centered on him and him alone. They didn't even consider the possibility that someone else may have been responsible for the crime.
0: I'm sorry. And he I... was
1: just pawning the okay, items. no,
0: no, no. Here's my thing, man. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a fucking duck. He lived right across from him. Right. The same place. Right. Everything else matches, and he's pawning the items?
1: Right. Um. But- there might be a significant reason. I'll get to that in a minute. I, I,
0: I believe in everybody should get a fair shake, and, right. and I believe in giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. But oh, Chucky here is walking like a duck. He's quacking like a duck.
1: Is he sounding like a duck to you?
0: Sounds like a duck. Think it's a fucking duck. Yeah. Quack so- quack. Now,
1: as soon as the detectives received the results of the DNA comparison, they returned to the interrogation room, showed the reports to Charles, and confronted him with their newfound evidence. Reports indicate that was when Charles actually confessed to killing all three women. Okay? Alright, now there now, you go. They immediately He's packing. placed him under arrest and charged him with two counts of capital murder. And the following day, he was indicted on those two charges and received the third count. Now, the authorities claim that Charles had a history of, quote, preying on helpless women. Therefore, Mary being on crutches with a sprained ankle meant she was his ideal victim. He didn't help his case at all when he talked about the events that led up to Mary's murder. He stated that at some point earlier, Mary had somehow insulted him by calling him a name. Now, I it was wasn't probably able to, Charles. <laughs> I wasn't able to determine. Or Duckman. It was earlier that day or within a few days of the murder. I also couldn't find out exactly what name it was that allegedly she called him that made him angry. Apparently, though, he felt it was significant enough that he decided she had to be killed for saying it. No,
0: hold on, hold up, hold up. Because that one black kid that we did...
1: Uh, Craig Price. Craig
0: Price claimed Uh the same Uh thing. And I only bring up the race specifically because of what was said, because I have found that yeah. oftentimes that excuse is used by African-Americans. Like, it, yeah. this person called me the N-word. Or this person called it's me It's actually this. used with
1: a lot of minorities. Really? I, I've only yeah, heard that of no, black I've people. Heard it, well, because I was in jail, I've heard it. Oh, well,
0: in jail probably yeah. a little bit different. But I, like, I'm like, i a white dude, okay? So if somebody goes and says, you fat fucking cracker, you know, I can't you say I killed him because he called me a name. You
1: look at him and say... Do you think I'm a Saltine or a Ritz?
0: I'm a Ritz, bitch. You know that. <laughs> ain't no Saltine about me. Mm-hmm.
1: There ain't no basic white about you.
0: That's right. <laughs> just like, uh, <laughs> just like the lady we saw in the tunnel the other day, chili <laughs> cheese girl,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or the skeleton onesie.
0: Oh my god! I love sharing these stories with our listeners. Check this out. We'll get back on uh, on this dip shit. <laughs> so, Tammy's borrowing my truck. She had to go uh, do a couple things for the company and for me.
1: Yeah. And
0: uh, so she picks me up, and we're 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 on Interstate Avenue, getting on I five, and the first thing we see <laughs> is this panhandler lady who's in pretty good shape. I mean, she's been eating.
1: Yeah, you could tell she's pretty healthy. With
0: these camouflage pants on, and Pink camouflage, and she's got like this twitch. <laughs> And i like, oh, there's like, there, there's Tweakzilla right there. Scott's girlfriend. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the perfect girl for me because I only date psychos. You know, and I, so I look over and I go, I bet you her crotch smells like chili and cheese. And so she starts getting, oh, God, your crotch. I'm just saying, she's got chili, I got crackers. She's dying, right? <laughs> So that one passes. We get through the tunnel. We're getting up on I-5. If I'm lying, I'm dying. If, I, if anything I'm saying about this is an exaggeration, may, may lightning, lightning
1: strike me now. <laughs>
0: not just once, but twice in the dick. We get up on top of I-5. There is a woman on a bicycle.
1: Yeah, right before the frickin' um, uh, Jansen Beach exit. Yeah. Right.
0: Dressed in a skeleton onesie.
1: <laughs> and like wrap around sunglasses. And these yep. wrap
0: around futuristic sunglasses
1: <laughs> on the freeway.
0: And I'm like, Oh. And
1: you gotta remember, folks, that was a hundred and some degree weather day.
0: And all I could do is look at it and go, oh no, camouflage pants, you're out because this one here is a nut bar perfect for me.
1: That's my future <laughs>
0: wife right there. That's that is the future Miss Alexander because <laughs> That is a whole list of crazy. Is
1: that your Snickers bar?
0: (laughs) That's my Snickers bar right there. That's got everything in it, including a skeleton onesie in a hundred and some odd degree temperatures.
1: Yeah. So keep in mind (laughs) that Charles confessed to killing all three women. He also initially indicated on... It was initially indicted on three counts of capital murder with special circumstances, those bearing burglary, robbery, sexual assault. Therefore, the prosecution was able to seek the death penalty. By the time Charles' trial began on October 27, 1987, a mere six months after his arrest, the district attorney's office amended his charges. By then, the DNA determined... The DA determined there was more evidence linking Charles to Mary's murder, specifically the DNA evidence. Therefore, that was the strongest case, which still allowed them to seek the death penalty. If the prosecutor proceeded to try Charles for all three murders, it increased the potential for an all-out acquittal, or at the very least, the jury could return with a guilty verdict on a lesser charge. Rather than take that chance, the the DA... Oh, my God. I'm just screwing up all over. You're following my
0: footsteps. I am.
1: The DA decided to drop the charges against Charles for the murder of Tippewa Nakusan and LaShawn Chappelle Thomas. So the state of Texas v. Charles Anthony Boyd trial lasted one week.
0: That's it for a capital case?
1: Yes. And it happened six months after his arrest.
0: God. Well, which it's, is
1: unheard of in a capital case. Yeah, but
0: it, it's Texas, man. You got to keep in mind, Texas is yeah, the place true. like, you know, like if, if you go into a store and you shoot somebody. Okay. Yeah. And there are, I think it's like three credible witnesses that saw you do what you did. Uh huh. You don't wait on death row. You're at the front of the line, fucker. They're like, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> oh yeah, they. Oh. There's an express lane. Like that is a killing really? state right there. There's
1: <laughs> a ten items or less lane.
0: There is. So man. a
1: three witness a morning.
0: Yeah, <laughs> three witnesses see what uh, you did. And, they, and, and they're credible. Like, if it's like Tweaker Joe said, um, it might have been Charles. I don't, I don't know. They're going, like, you're not credible. Get get out of here, Tweaker Joe. But if three credible witnesses see that and it's a 100% you know, closed case, I'm like, fucking no. This, we got right. John Tape and da, da, You're not going to wait on death row for 10, 20, 30 years. You're going to the front of the line. Wow. You might die that day it's Texas. They might just come on (laughs) in like Yosemite Sam sitting there going, well, I'm going to take him out right now. Well,
1: I'll be, (laughs) boys.
0: Get him right now. Give him my guns.
1: (laughs) With your little spur boots. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. You just shot half the jury. You know that, right? (laughs) Yeah, but I got him, too. (laughs) We're riding out of sunset.
1: (laughs) You're horrible.
0: It's fucking terrible. So,
1: during the closing arguments, the prosecutor reviewed the evidence against Charles, emphasizing the DNA results. Before he rested his case, he implored the jury to return with a v- verdict of guilty on the capital murder charge. Then it was time for Charles' attorney, Bill Brovlet, which I don't know how they get Breuvelet out of that, but whatever.
0: I thought it was like creme brulee. Yeah. But okay. So,
1: to deliver his closing arguments, he never really tried to dispute the fact that his client murdered Mary. However, he did urge the jury to consider a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter that it would take that would take the death penalty off the table when it was time for Charles's sentencing. He claimed that Mary provoked Charles anger by calling him a name that ultimately led to his client's decision to kill her. He also said that his client was, quote, emotionally disturbed and therefore wasn't thinking rationally at the time he committed the murder. After all, I know after that, he rested his case and it was time for the judge to speak.
0: Well, that's a great closing argument. Yeah. I, Wait. I, I want him as my attorney. Fuck no. You're going
1: to love this. After both sides officially arrested, the judge went through the process of delivering the jury their instructions for deliberation. He began by reminding them that it was their civic duty to consider all the evidence and testimony. Then he went through the significance of their decision as it specifically related to the trial. They were only to return a gu- guilty verdict at the unanimously Unanimously decided the prosecution had proven his case beyond a shadow of a doubt. If any of them had any doubts the defendant was guilty of capital murder with special circumstances, they were to consider the lesser charge, and he went on, right?
0: Right. That typical judge bullshit.
1: Right. With all said and done, it most likely took the judge anywhere from 30 minutes to 2 hours to issue the jury instructions. In extensive cases, I've seen it take several days for that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in the Cheetah Ing it took him 2 days.
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so after he was finished, he excused the 12 men and women from the courtroom so they could begin the process of deliberation. Now, check this out. That Then addressed the rest of the courtroom as he announced the proceedings would be adjourned until such time when the jury was ready to deliver their verdict. Hold your hats, folks. Remember when we presented Amelia Dyer?
0: Oh yes. The baby farmer. The baby farmer It took four
1: point five minutes to return a guilty verdict. Yep. The people in the gallery for Charles' case barely had time to stand before the bailiff returned to announce the jury had reached a verdict. How long did it take from the moment they were excused to the moment the bailiff made his renouncement? Not four and a half minutes. Like we've been waiting for, but pretty damn close. Ten minutes. Oh hold on one second. Wait. No. That's a round of fucking applause. I'm going to narrow it down even more. It probably took them... Excuse me, my teeth are slipping. Five? I cannot talk. Five minutes or less to discuss the case to decide on their verdict. Because that ten minutes included the time it took for them to file out of the courtroom, make it to the jury room, make their decision... And contact the bailiff and have the bailiff return to the courtroom. Jesus
0: Christ. Hey, they took less time to say guilty on this guy than it takes me to finish a cup of coffee. Yeah,
1: pretty much. Before I could even finish the sentence.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: So, when they returned, they announced that Charles Anthony Boyd was guilty of capital murder. <coughs> and before he dis- judge dismissed everyone, he scored the punishment phase to begin in December that year. Now, during the sentencing and punishment phase, the district attorney was allowed to introduce evidence that wasn't allowed during the trial. That included evidence pertaining to the murders of Tipuan and LaShawn. And he talked about how Charles had confessed to the three murders. Then he went into details of, each of how each of them was found. He called several witnesses to the stand that provided testimony about Charles' volatile behavior. One of those was his former co-worker, who went into great detail about how he had attacked her in 1983. And some of the Dallas County Sheriff's Department also took the stand, and they provided the court with information about Charles' disruptive behavior at the jail since his incarceration. Now, the defense team also called character witnesses. Most of them were members of his family, some were his friends, and they talk about how they'd only known him to be very kind and respectful to everyone. His girlfriend took the stand and said how they shared a child together. However, he had never had a chance to see this child because he had been arrested before the baby was born.
0: Because he was out there raping.
1: Yeah. So and killing. When Charles was called to this, Charles's mother was called to stand. She had a lot of things to say about her son. She talked about his childhood, described how he had suffered from allergies since he was a young boy. She even said that he always done poorly in school, going so far as to describe him as only being moderately literate.
0: And he didn't have uh, no ring pops or nothing. And his lips are ashy. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible.
1: That's horrible.
0: <laughs> no, I can, I, not, I, I can just, because I've, I've got several black friends and I can see their mom up there giving every excuse, like yeah. possible, trying to save their kid. Cause, you I was going to
1: say, but I also picture my friend Marvin's mom. And she, <laughs> she would not have sat back. She would have been whooping his ass if he was involved.
0: That's No, and from what you have told me about Marvin's mom, I can see her up oh there God. sitting there going, let me tell you something about this boy. He's always been yeah. a dumb motherfucker. I say you kill him right now. Like, I should have had an abortion or something because he's stupid. Well, no, you, know, you, you, you're stupid. <laughs> Mama, don't call me that. Well, yeah, if you weren't stupid, we wouldn't be here right now.
1: Right. Well, and I always, I always tell Marvin because I watched an episode of Hardcore Pawn several years ago. And there was this black guy trying to pawn. It was an obviously stolen computer. When his mother came in and found out what he was doing, she literally grabbed him by the scruff of his neck and said she was going to take off her belt and whoop his ass as she's dragging him out of the store. (laughs) Yep. So I said to Marvin, I said, oh, my God, that is your mom. He goes, my mom wouldn't have waited until we got out of the store before she took off her belt and whooped my ass.
0: (laughs) I like Marvin's mom more and more.
1: I loved Mama Barber. I just loved her. Now, um... Let's see. She also talked about how Charles's father died when he was only six years old, but he wasn't without a male role model because she married his second husband within a few years. Not to mention, she made sure all of her children attended church services every Sunday while they were growing up.
0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
1: Yeah. Finally, she talked about how Charles was always her kind and caring child. When she broke her ankle, he was the one who took care of her while she recovered. Okay. Okay. Now, after both sides finished presenting their mitigating factors, the jury was dismissed to deliberate how to proceed with Charles' sentence. When they returned, they they recommended he be sentenced to death, and the judge accepted their recommendation, and he was sent to the Allen B. Polinsky unit in Livingston, Texas, to await his execution. Now, as I go through the rest of this presentation, I'm going to be using a word or phrase that is not a regular part of my vernacular. However, for the sake of integrity of this article, I will make an exception. That being said, although some might find the word or phrase offensive and may even argue that I could be used an alternative, there's a reason for my decision. My choice is based on the fact that I'm providing you with the official legal term and diagnosis as it is listed in the DSM when these events took place. Oh, I
0: thought it was going to be the N-word, but I bet you're going to use the word retard.
1: Yes. So not long after Charles was convicted and sentenced, he obtained a new attorney to handle his appeals. His appellate lawyer argued that executing Charles was tantamount to the very definition of cruel and unusual punishment, which is a standard guideline for the function of prison facilities and execution procedures. The majority of the reports I found and articles I found included transcription from the appeals that were filed. There, were, there may be more than meets the eye when it comes to the case of Charles Anthony Boyd. According to his new attorney, Charles had an IQ of 67, Jesus. which legally classified him as mentally retarded.
0: That's what you and I were talking about, like what yes. our IQs are. Yes. That's why you were talking to me about now, that. Okay.
1: Yeah. So when I came across this in my research, I knew that I had to dig deeper into some of the legalities regarding mental deficiencies in order to understand the implications pertaining to such a low IQ. While I go over this next part, keep in mind, I'm tech. I'm talking about true mental deficiencies, which should not be confused with mental health issues. There's an actual difference. The first has to do with the comprehension and the way an individual processes information. The second has to do with the chemical makeup of the brain and how that affects his coping mechanisms. So the first thing I did was research the parameters regarding IQ levels according to an actual IQ scale. I didn't want to reference classifications in relation to algorithms used on various so-called IQ testing websites. So, in case you're wondering, there are a multitude of scales published by experts in the field, which are used to classify IQ levels. I found 15 that only used to classify adults. There were several different scales to classify children and adolescents, which vary depending on the age and grade level. Okay? (coughs) So, when I post the article, I'll have more information on all 15 scales, but I'm going to refer to four. Although it doesn't say what scale the attorney was referencing in the appeal, after I... After going over the ones I found, I have surmised that we, he was probably most likely using the Welsher the adult intelligence scale that was published in 81. After all, that's the most recent scale published for that time. So the first three levels, and there's a reason why I'm doing this, under 70 was mentally retarded, 70 to 79 was borderline, 80 to 89 low average. According to the classification scale, shut up, Scott published in 2007 by Richard Woodcock called the Woodcock Johnson test of cognitive abilities. The first, Okay, <laughs> when I was going over this with your son, I said, not only was it published by a man who could be called Dick Woodcock, it was the Woodcock Johnson test. So it you was just the can't Dick, get Dick, better Dick than Dick test.
0: You can't get better than that. That is freaking amazing. I
1: know. Right. So, that tested at anything at or equal to 69 was very low, 70-79 low, and 80 to 89 low average. Then there was the Levine-Marks IQ te- classification published by Albert Julius Levine and Louis Marks in their book Testing Intelligence, and they went through, started at zero, and went up to above 175. You know, so anything from up to 89 was considered idiot, imbecile, moron, borderline, or dull. Okay. Which, then there was the, I'm going to use the term in Stanford-Binet's Second Revision Classification, which eliminated the term genius from their score range. And keep in mind, in 1937, segregation and racism were still at its peak, especially here in the United States. During that time, it was truly believed that any race other than white had, quote, inferior cognitive abilities. I'm only using this scale because it just lists a whole bunch here. This scale was only supposed to be used to classify those who were considered, quote, American born white. The first three levels only accounted for twenty two point seven three percent of the population in nineteen thirty seven.
0: Get closer to your mic, goddammit.
1: Oh, sorry. With below seventy being mentally defective at two point six three percent, seven point seven nine was borderline defective at five point six percent, and eighty to eighty nine was low average at fourteen point five percent of the population. Okay? Okay. Now, how does this affect Charles' case, you ask? His first appeal was filed in the United States Supreme Court. He he petitioned the court to overturn his client's sentence based on new information, including Charles's low IQ, and order a new trial. If they didn't feel there was grounds to overturn and grant a new trial, he asked that they at least grant his client a new sentencing punishment hearing. The court rejected the appeal in 1991, citing Charles received a fair sentence. Once that petition was uh, rejected, they went on. He went on to the United States. Uh, I'm sorry, the Fifth United States Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, in February of 1999, the Fifth Circuit Court rejected the petition. In their rejection, they cited, "quote A trial jury was not likely to find him innocent because of the quote cold-blooded nature of the murder and Boyd's other violent conduct." Okay. Guy. Now, when the media found out about the Basis for the appeals His original attorney was asked Why he didn't present Charles's, present that evidence Of Charles' mental retardation During the trial He said that he didn't believe his former client Was surely mentally deficient Therefore it wasn't an issue um, Now however According to most of the reports I found Pertaining to this particular issue It wasn't that Charles' attorney didn't recognize That he might have such a problem It was more likely that they didn't believe He even had a problem That's because, according to prison records prior to 1993, they had Charles' IQ listed at 80. (laughs) That being said, according to the four scales I referenced above, an IQ of 80 was the extreme low end of low average. Right?
0: Right, right, right. So,
1: it's like, does it really matter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's talking about it i didn't even realize that there were levels below 100 until we started this crap
0: no shit man that's why when you asked me mine and i was sitting there and every time somebody asks me that and i tell them about what my iq is i sit there and why did i hit a new level like am i mentally retarded
1: and it's like (laughs) no
0: no not even close fucker no it makes me feel better
1: yeah no it's just you know yeah because i was like you know i've i mean i've always known that my my IQ level is, and I would have said, yeah, I know I have above average, but what, what difference does it make? You know what I mean? Well,
0: that's true. That's true. And make sure you accept when you're not talking right into your mic.
1: Shut up. I was moving. My teeth were slipping, and I was really weird.
0: Do you need to stick them?
1: No, I got it down.
0: You, you sure? Yeah. Need some concrete?
1: Some. Yeah, your son brought me some because I was tired of, like, trying to hold my teeth in with my lips.
0: Oh. <laughs> Girl, you ain't got no lips. I knew that was coming. I tell you, Tammy. Tammy. Tammy! Yes, dear. If your lips was a chicken, they wouldn't even pluck you. (laughs) You ain't got no lips. Yeah. Which is good, because that means you can't even get chapped lips and nothing.
1: So, after researching the issue, I was left with one question. Even if Charles had 9Q of 80 at the time of his trial, shouldn't his attorneys have at least tried to argue diminished mental capacity? especially considering that according to the scales I referenced and even the ones I didn't, 80 is the extreme low. Now, I'm not by any means trying to suggest that he would have qualified for that defense. After all, I'm not an expert by any definition of the term in the field of cognitive science. I was just posing the question for you to ponder since I pondered it myself. Oh, no,
0: and, and I agree. I, I would think that any decent attorney <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: would have looked at that. And, you know, number one, you're rolling the dice even going to trial... To yeah. begin with, because death is on the table,
1: right? Would well, so, they even try to test Ted Bundy for diminished capacity? Right. So uh, it's like I thought it was SOP.
0: And 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 while I'm not an attorney by any means, I would think you know what? If we're already rolling our dice, uh, the, the dice on this deal, let's see if we can roll a seven. Yeah. Get him tested because he tested at eighty before. He you know maybe we can get it below eighty. Yeah. You know, and maybe they're going to come back with them, you know, and, and we can say, hey, diminished capacity. Yeah. But instead, they just pretty they well just, like, just pissed nah, it away. Whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I think I say it a little later on that I thought it was standard operating procedure, anyways. Um, so let's see. Amnesty International got involved in Charles's case. Now, the execution of Charles Anthony Boyd was scheduled for August 5th, 1999. At some point after his appeal was rejected in February 99, the prisoner advocacy organization Amnesty International, or AI, became involved. On July 27th, they launched a public campaign on his behalf. The campaign started by talking about how he was scheduled for execution despite evidence that proved to the court suggesting he was mentally retarded. According to the campaign document I found, the reference to prisoner report in 1983, his first incarceration, which documented Charles had an IQ of 67. It went on to state that both of his attorneys that represented during his trial claimed they never saw nor had knowledge that report existed. Yeah, maybe they didn't
0: even fucking look for it. it That's what I'm what it saying right like. there.
1: According to the claims of the attorneys, had they seen that report, they would have had him, quote, examined by a mental health professional. And this is where I say, uh, I thought that was just standard operating procedure in a capital murder case. They did it with Ted Bundy, who was obviously not suffering from diminished capacity by any definition of the term. I always thought it was either a written or unwritten rule that a defense attorney in a capital murder, first-degree murder case tried to build their case with a cognitive and psychological evaluation just to find out if they even had the option of arguing an insanity or diminished capacity defense. Apparently, you can learn something new every day. Either that or they just didn't give a fuck. Not in Texas. Right? Now, um... Provide, in providing background information for the campaign, AI said that in 1995, a federal court ordered a formal hearing to determine if Charles' claim of ineffective counsel had any merit. Now, at this hearing, a judge heard testimony from an expert psychologist and a neuropsychologist, both of which interviewed and evaluated Charles and his family. Now, there is a difference. I didn't know that there was a difference between <coughs> the two. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a two. But the basic no, difference is a clinical psychologist generally focuses on a patient's behaviors they're, and the therapies associated, and they're not licensed to pr- prescribe medications, where a neuropsychologist is licensed to pr- prescribe the patient with meds as a part of their treatment plan. And they also often implement neuroscience in their work. I have more, but I will list that in the blog. So apparently during the 1995 hearing, Charles's mother offered testimony that contradicted some of what she stated during his original trial. She said that during her son's early childhood, it was obviously he had difficulties learning in comparison to her other children. In fact, she claimed that school officials advised her to place him in some sort of special education classes. However, she said no, because she felt it would be too embarrassing, mostly for her, but also for Charles. Now... Reports from that hearing claim that Charles' childhood nickname was Head. No, not for that reason, Scott. <laughs> the
0: other children
1: called him that when they realized he was constantly hitting his head against the ground or the wall. Oh, and some okay, at the time assumed bad. he was just doing this in an effort to draw the attention of others around him.
0: Uh, whether it's attention or the fact that he's retired, it, I feel bad for him right now. Like, like for real. Because like, he's I'm-
1: Head Bathroom Slayer?
0: Yeah. Well, that and plus... It really sounds because I've worked with retards. I know, me too. You know the the mentally mm-hmm. deficient and people that have been handicapped. I've mentioned that in other episodes. And if he truly was mentally retarded,
1: exactly. You know,
0: uh, God damn, man. Right. I'm just thinking of this kid having to grow up. Yeah. And just not, not getting, getting help.
1: Yeah, not getting the help because his mom was embarrassed. Jesus Christ, so, man. So then she says that they didn't realize, um, I'll say here, Charles' mother also said that when Charles didn't respond to requests, questions, or demands from a stepfather or brother in what they considered a timely manner, they subjected him to beatings. This was a direct contradiction from her claim that the original trial about how he'd always been a kind, caring child with no major issues other than complications from allergies. Now, she also went on to say that um, he often had seizures, through his childhood, not to mention he was seven years old before they realized he was completely deaf in one ear. Now, the AI campaign stated that the the expert psychologists evaluated Charles in 1992. They measured his IQ at 64.
0: Yeah, that's mentally retarded.
1: Yeah, very much so. And according to their report, Charles was virtually incapable of reading. When his writing abilities were evaluated, he would only write the words if someone verbally spelled them out first. So he knew the basic alphabet. But he couldn't read or write unless he received prompts from others.
0: As an adult, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's sad. At at bare minimum, he's developmentally disabled.
1: Right, exactly. So reports provided by both experts who evaluated him at the time, stated there was no reason for them to conclude he was faking or exaggerating his mental deficiencies. There wasn't any sign that he was demonstrating actions or functions based almost verbatim on textbook definitions, which we've seen others do.
0: Oh, yes. I
1: mean, calendar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: the butterfly. Your son said to me today, I'm a butterfly. And I go, no, you're not, Joseph.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a butterfly.
1: <laughs> so. Actually,
0: you know what I am? I'm a scatterfly. You are. And at night I wrap myself in a blanket because I'm a (laughs) scatterpillar.
1: You're so stupid. So both experts also agreed that intelligence is a stable trait. So once a person has reached adulthood, therefore since he was 27 at the time he committed the murders, he was functioning in the capacity of someone who was truly mentally retarded. Okay. right. They also stated definitively that anyone who had a chance to interact with him would be able to determine his mental state was impaired. In other words, his condition was so obvious. You didn't have to have a specially trained license to notice his mental condition. So, according to the report submitted by the neuropsychologist in 1992, at the time, Charles exhibited, quote, significant memory deficiencies, did not have the ability to learn from his mistakes, and that his retardation affected his ability to think through his options and control his impulses and behavior. During the hearing, the magistrate allowed for both the defense and the prosecution to present evidence and testimony to be considered. However, the state chose not to call anybody. They said, nah, I'm not going to bother. In the end, it didn't matter. The Magistrate ruled that Charles's trial attorneys weren't ineffective in their duties when they failed to discover and/or investigate any probability of their client's mental deficiency during his original trial, which, come to find out, included a report also on file at his school in 1980 that recorded his IQ at 71.
0: Jesus Christ! So it's man.
1: obviously below 80, no matter how you look at it.
0: Okay, you know this guy's the reverse for me. I started off not liking him. Yeah. And now I'm looking at him going, okay, it's fucked up He killed people, okay? Yeah. But you, I don't think this guy had the capacity.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Just based on
0: what you're giving me right now.
1: Right. Uh, you know, I'm going to
0: save this for later. you. You keep reading, and when you're done, I'm going to give you my thoughts.
1: Okay. Well, because I do get into some statistics about it, um, because at the time... There was also, I mean, before Amnesty International got involved, in 1989, there was a precedent-setting case called Penry versus Lanao. Okay? That case, according to Supreme Court, they ruled that the defendant's IQ slash retardation is an actual mitigating factor that should be taken into consideration during the sentencing phase. However, they also ruled that it's not unconstitutional for a state or the federal government to execute someone who is legally considered mentally retarded. Records the court arrived. Records state that the court arrived at that two-pronged decision after deciding there wasn't really a real national consensus against executing someone with that level of diminished capacity. Right. The question a lot of pe- people in the legal world have been asked since then: Has that ruling even really made a difference in the overall picture when it comes, you know, to condemning someone who is legally considered mentally retarded? Unfortunately, the answer that that question is still unknown. Um, at the time that ruling was made, there was only one case in the fifty, you know, fifty states in the union who had banned executing the mental, you, you know, people with diminished mental capacity. Okay. In the 10 years since that, 30 prisoners were legally considered to be mentally retarded, were successfully executed in the United States. In addition of those 30, at least 5 or 17 percent were carried out in the state of Texas alone.
0: Told you, man. Texas is the killing state. So in
1: 1999, when AI started their campaign, (sighs) um, the consensus had started to – it started to be gaining momentum. There was growing consensus. Because in 89, one state in the Union – by 1999, there were 12 states in the Union. If all 50 states allowed for the death penalty, then those 12 states would have constituted only 24% of the nation. Although it's not by any means a majority, it's still significant when compared to the statistics of the 1989, which roughly amounted to
0: 2%. I'm seeing Washington on that list. That's kind of cool. Yeah,
1: that's one of the states that banned it.
0: You can't execute people if they're retarded, right? Yes, correct. Okay, no, I'm all for that.
1: Yeah. So here's the real data people should consider when contemplating this issue. In 1989, only 36 of the 50 states in the union and the federal government practiced the death penalty capital punishment laws. In terms of numbers, 72% of the nation allowed for that punishment option. Now, I'm not even going to include the federal government because that's in a body of its own, right? Correct. So in of those 36 states, only one prohibited the state from condemning someone to death who was legally, mentally retarded. Therefore... 3% didn't allow for it under those circumstances. Still a low number. In 1999, 38 states in the Union, as well as the federal government, allowed for capital punishment statutes. Therefore, 76% of the nation practiced the death penalty. Of those 38 states, 12 prohibited legally condemning a prisoner considered to be mentally retarded to death. Therefore, that number that we talk about, 24%, the actual figure is 32%. Oh, shit! So that raised significantly by 1999, <coughs> you know, and since I'm a numbers person, I was looking at the numbers because I have a nephew with Down syndrome. OK, right. Specifically, he's a low functioning, non-communicative Down syndrome. At times, he has a temper over issues that one would consider minor or even a non-issue. There have even been occasions when he's lashed out physically when he has felt like he has been provoked. Granted, he hasn't killed anybody. But if he did, would it be legally and morally ethical for him to receive the death penalty? You know, because I found an article published in the Dallas Morning News on May 5th, 1999, that addressed it perfectly. The moral sentiment behind such a ban is simple. The state should not kill prisoners who cannot fully understand the concept of death. To use the ultimate punishment against people who cannot comprehend it is an act of vengeance, not justice. And
0: I agree. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree.
1: Yes. Now, I also brought up the DNA because his, he never was granted clemency. He never got a 30-day stay of execution because his attorneys wanted to go back because 1999 they were starting more advanced DNA testing. They wanted to see if his DNA could have been ruled out with the more advanced testing. Because at that point, he matched the DNA of 32% of the population. Right? So, and technically, it could have matched his brother. They didn't test his brother. You know what I mean?
0: Jesus Christ. They
1: didn't try to rule anybody else out. So, you know, as he's being led from the death chamber at 6 p.m., to the execution chamber, he declined to give a final statement. However, as the lethal injection cocktail was beginning, being administered, he suddenly blurted out, I want you all to know I did not do this crime. I wanted to wait for a 30-day stay for a DNA test so you know who did it. Sure, and that tells me something right there. Yeah. Kinda. So shortly after stating his innocence, Charles let out a gasp of breath, and then there was complete silence. The medical examiner overseeing the execution pronounced him dead at six sixteen. People in the gallery who were there to witness the execution of Charles Anthony Boyd in person included her parent, Mary's parent, sister, and one of her cousins. Now, um, when after he was executed, a former the Kevin Chapman, who was the assistant <laughs> district attorney on his case, released a statement. He said that he wanted to remind everyone that Charles was also a suspect in Tipawan Nakusan and LaShawn Chappelle Thomas's murder. Even though he was never tried and convicted for those murders, his death would have allowed their families to have some sort of closure. And he said he couldn't think about him, about Charles, without thinking about those families. And he also talked about how Tipawan's murder weighed on him the most. Because she was an immigrant from Thailand, Uh, she didn't have any family here. And after she was killed, law enforcement officials in Texas tried everything they could to locate her family in Thailand to let them know what happened, but their efforts failed. So he said, I wonder if her family even wonders whatever happened to their little girl. Boyd is the type this punishment was made for. It. If it's justified for anybody, Charles, Charlie deserves it. He had a second chance. He had a job. He had a place to live. All he had to do is not kill people, and that's not too much to ask. So when Charles was executed... On August 5th, 1999 He took his place among the statistics And the annals of Texas Department of Justice Not annals, Scott In 1999, he was the 18th execution Carried out on a condemned prisoner In the state of Texas that year alone And his execution was also A 182nd sentence to be carried out Since the death penalty was reinstated On December 7th, 1992 Now that's the end of my presentation because I didn't write, finish up typing my thoughts, which I'll add to the blog later. But when Charles made that statement at the end and the way he was trying to fight for stronger, you know, for more advanced DNA testing, I was wondering if his brother did it.
0: It kind of makes me wonder. Uh,
1: because as a brother it, at the time in 1997 or 87 when it happened, if he was very protective, of, if he was as caring and considered as his mother says, and he was a caretaker, he would have protected his brother.
0: There's a lot going on with, uh, you know, okay, like I said, killing those girls is wrong. Yes. However, I, 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 I got to bring up the point that that newspaper said. But did know right said, from wrong? And that's the thing, you know, is it justified to put someone to death that really doesn't understand yeah. the consequences of life and death or even understand truly what they did? Right. You know, it's, this is a sticky one. I uh, told I,
1: it was controversial. Well,
0: like I said earlier, I started off hating this guy. Oh, yeah. Like you're giving me all this evidence and my man walks like a duck, talks like a duck. I think he's a fucking duck. Yeah. I'm looking at him now going, ah, dude. Maybe he didn't do this. Maybe his confession yeah. was coerced.
1: Yeah, yeah. maybe it was. Or maybe he felt like he needed to tell them anything. he Tell them what they wanted to hear to get out of there. Yeah. Because we've seen that happen.
0: Correct, correct. You
1: know, we have seen people give straight out confessions to doing something because they were told, if you tell us what we want to know, it'll be better for you.
0: Right. You know, and given his diminished capacity, yeah, I don't think that he can really or could have really
1: appreciated what was happening to him
0: right and and see the possible outcomes like okay like if you and i are sitting in a courtroom and we're being accused of murder right we we're gonna sit there and go okay i didn't kill this motherfucker no i'm not going to confess i didn't do it because we can see the outcome we can say hey man if i confess to this that's a confession i'm going to get the death penalty right you know um Actually, I don't think Washington has a death penalty currently. I think they do. They do? Oh, okay.
1: Well, they did back in 1993.
0: Oh, well, we're in 2022. We're, like, fucking way, like, 30 years later. Yeah, you they don't realize might, that, right? Well,
1: they might have, a like, a stay like California does, but I don't think it's, like, not recognized. Oh,
0: okay. But, you so. know, but I could be in a position where I'm putting myself on the table for lethal injection. Right. Um based on me just wanting to, quote, I'm just going to clear this up, say I did it, and they're going to say, okay, go on your way. Yeah. Because we can see the consequences behind that. True. Instead, we're going to go, dude, no, I want an attorney. Right. Before I answer any questions. And right. by the way, if you ever get arrested, lawyer up.
1: Yeah. And can- don't let the officers provoke you into saying anything like I did. <laughs> right.
0: Don't say a damn yeah. thing till you get your attorney there. But um, I believe... That a, there's a good possibility that he didn't do it.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: And B, there what, is what, a
1: lot of significant doubt in this what,
0: one. What got me was him pawning the stuff, and you know, and I'm sitting there going, "Dude, he's kind of, he's got the stuff in his hand, he's pawning." Yeah, it. But, but if, if it, it was, was his brother,
1: brother, he'd be pawning it for him. Yeah, and you know what? With the diminished capacity, like he's like he's been proven to have. If he if he honestly said, "Okay, I didn't do this." But my brother did. If I say I did, they won't look at him anymore, but they can't provide, you know, they don't have enough evidence to prove I did.
0: Right. No, you totally. You Yeah. Um, because that the diminished capacity. Yeah. I'm just, I like I said, I I actually feel like a dick. Like, no, and I'm not even joking. I know. I feel like I a total fucking asshole making fun of this guy. No,
1: I know what you're saying because I thought it too. In the
0: beginning and... God damn, it just it, it sounds to me and I could be wrong. It's been known yeah. to happen. It just sounds to me like honestly, Charles Anthony Boyd kinda got a fucked up deal, man. And oh, what yeah. he didn't need to be executed. Maybe what he needed was a mental hospital. Yes. And a lot of treatment. True. Because there's 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 no coming back from that. Like seriously, not. If, if, if your IQ is in the sixties, Yeah. There's no I mean,
1: even Otis Toole had a higher IQ than that. I think his was in what, low nineties?
0: Uh, low 90s, yeah. 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 Uh, it's...
1: God, man. Yeah, it just, I mean, it just bears to, it just makes you think about, was the death penalty justified in this case, even if he did commit the murder? I got to tell you, I'm, you know. This is the first but episode. But I think I have doubts that he even committed the murder.
0: This is the first episode that we've done that I'm a little, that it's going to end with me. I'm a little broken-hearted. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm actually greatly disappointed and saddened.
1: More than what we were with Charles and Joshua? Yeah. Wow. Well,
0: like, I, I, I put him right up there with that because
1: boy... Not Charles, but Carl. Carl. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, uh, jo- Joshua will always have my heart because he got the crappy end of the stick, he too. He did.
1: Um, Very much so. But,
0: but he made the most out of his time. He has. And didn't he get released? Not yet. Oh, okay.
1: He's up, I think, next year.
0: I'm hoping that he contacts us back.
1: I know. Me, too. I kind of want to so. race him again. You should. Yeah.
0: But... um you know it's it's a rarity i will say that that at the end of an episode all my jokes are gone yeah and i'm looking at this case and just thinking how right. truly fucking sad it is that they that yeah they i feel like they sent an innocent man to to die
1: yeah, well, and I didn't even bring up the statistics that Texas is actually one of the biggest states that has executed innocent people.
0: Well, and also, Because they
1: don't wait for, you know what I mean?
0: But even if Charles Boyd did, in fact, kill all three right. women, exactly. just, just for argument's sakes, if he did it, if he doesn't have the mental capacity to understand
1: the consequences
0: yeah. and, and really understand what he did, being good or bad, really, what is the point of putting this man to death? Yeah. What
1: have you accomplished?
0: Exactly. It's, and, and what kind of message does that s- send to humanity?
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And I don't talk about that very often. Now, no. Y'all keep in mind, I am very pro-death penalty. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I've, I've
1: often th- said that they should expand <laughs> it to include child molesters. I was
0: just going to say the same thing. Yes. You know, I'm very pro-death penalty. But in this case here, I'm very disappointed at the legal system that did this to this man because I think that more would have been accomplished by hospitalization. Yes. And at bare minimum, studying him. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and kind of figuring out what makes him tick because the information that they could have gained from him and his mental conditions and that low IQ and being mentally retarded could help Future people
1: help them defend and or prosecute future people. Yes,
0: right. Or or, or, and and help others who are mentally retarded.
1: Well, and it really got to me on how his mother left a whole lot out in his first trial.
0: Oh yeah, totally.
1: And it's like, okay, so why weren't you that forthcoming in the beginning? Were you embarrassed, or do you know somebody else who did it?
0: Yeah, that you were protecting them. You know. Just, so
1: there was like I said there were a lot of questions. A lot of questions in this.
0: I just honestly I hope Charles Anthony Boyd I hope that you're resting and re- resting well man. I'm I know. Just in my heart I'm I'm so sorry that this happened to you.
1: Me too. Me That's too. I I like I said I don't believe he should have been executed is what at the that is. at the very, at the bare minimum he should have been given at least a 30 day stay so they could have tested the DNA further. Yeah,
0: I mean, fair enough. At the bare yeah. minimum no, I, and I agree.
1: Especially with the advancements from 87 to 99.
0: It just sounds like they, they rushed him through it. We've yeah. got our guy. Why investigate? Yeah. Why spend the money? Let's Six just months get him to killed. trial.
1: One week in a trial. Death penalty. I mean, yeah. And let's, okay, let's take into consideration it took them 12, 13 years to execute him. That is still shorter than we have seen in a lot of other instances.
0: And I was rooting them on. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. Right to the front front of
1: the line. That's right. With this killer. Yeah. And no. And let's just keep in mind, they took, what, almost 20 years to kill Bonin? Yeah. You know, who was an obviously insane maniac.
0: And those of you that don't know who William Bonin is, this is when I did a um, three-part series uh, featuring Randy Kraft, William Bonin. Yeah, it was five
1: episodes of. Three people, yeah. That
0: sounds right. And Patrick Kearney, yeah. And Bonin, out of all of them, was a was,
1: sick fucker.
0: He was the worst. A little recap: like Patrick Kearney would kill his victims in the car before they even knew what was happening with a yeah. twenty-five caliber gun, and then he would have sex with their dead bodies and then dispose of them in Southern California. Yeah. And Randy Kraft would he was drug a sick him. fucker too. Yeah, but he would he would drug them, yeah. rape them, and then usually kill them. Yeah. Bonin, however, would torture them in his mm-hmm. van. Like, with everything from tools to screwdrivers. I think a, a baseball bat was used I on think one so of them too. or something like uh, that.
1: One of them was uh, like a pull cue or something. Yes, a
0: pull cue yes. in the anus um, and things like that. And it took 20 years 20 to, years
1: to kill yes. that
0: monster. And he truly was a goddamn monster. Yes. But... They take this guy, and Bonin didn't have an IQ of sixty-seven.
1: No, and Bonin committed his crimes in the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, you know, so and it's like it took them twenty for twenty years for the state of California to to execute him, where it took twelve years for the state of Texas to execute Charles.
0: Yeah, it just makes me sad, man. Yeah. I just, I, I use the word retard a lot, right? Oh, yeah. I mean I, I mean, I don't use it
1: because of my nephew, but yeah.
0: I use it in regards to like my friends that are not retarded. I
1: know. You call me that all the time. Oh, yeah. And
0: then you you're a pure retard. Yeah. However, and I've said this before on and off the air, if I saw somebody looking at somebody who's mentally retarded and go, fucking retard, I'm a big guy, man. I'll backhand a sucker right in their oh, goddamn no take hole. Yeah, you don't call people who have men, who have mental retardation yeah. retards. Why? That's a dick move. That's why. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like they can't help the way <laughs> they're acting. Yeah,
0: man. You look at the freaking Down syndrome kids. You it's look at the, the retards. idiots
1: out there that know better. Yeah, <laughs> that don't.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and, and and you know what? Honestly, I fall into what I call retard too because I do some dumb shit and I look at myself. Well, I'm half retarded. Yeah. So that's why I did that. Mm-hmm. And then some days I'm all retarded.
1: Yes, some and then some days you're a whole ass. No, but you know, like I said, this one I knew that it was going to be a very controversial case for us to cover. But I'm kind of glad that I got to it. You know what I mean? I'm glad too.
0: But honestly, like I said, yeah. I'm I'm a little like, like the, the, said, there's this heaviness a in more my information
1: heart. Information that'll be on the blog, but yeah, this was just very, very, very controversial.
0: It's just it's, it's I'm processing a lot of information right now in emotions, and emotions. And here's kind of what I'm going through. Starting off, I was all for it. I'm all yeah. God dang right. They, they yeah. got him. They sweet right to the front of the line. I was excited to just hurry up and kill this guy. And then you started mentioning that, the diminished capacity, and then we got a little bit of proof of that. Yeah. And then his last words of, you know, I was hoping for a 30-day stay so you can compare the DNA. I didn't commit these crimes. Yeah. And just the later, I I went from the cheering squad of hurry up and kill this scumbag to really there's a heaviness in my heart.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like... Uh, It's just sad. It sends me not quite to the point of tears like. uh, uh, Oh, God damn it. What's his name? We were just talking about him. Which one? The one that we're trying to get to work for. Oh, Josh. Like Josh. Josh had me in tears because I've been there. Oh, yeah. Josh had me in tears,
1: too. I was crying with him.
0: But pretty close. I've only cried on
1: two episodes. Him and Alcala.
0: Yeah. Oh, Alcala, Jesus Christ. Yeah,
1: and not because I felt sorry for Alcala. I felt bad for the <laughs> unknown victims. Oh, totally. Totally. You
0: know? Fuck.
1: But yeah. No, and I mean, like I said, in this case, too, him complaining about the smell makes more sense if he didn't kill her. Right. You that know, makes- saying to his brother, What and- is that smell? Why and, are we smelling this smell? And, and
0: that's the thing. With diminished capacity, I'm pretty sure that he wouldn't just be complaining about the smell because he doesn't know the consequences. He'd probably, if he had been dead, go, oh, no, I, that might be coming from right. Mary's apartment. Yeah. Or, uh, I'm sorry. LaShawn. LaShawn's apartment. Yeah. Because she's dead. Or, you yeah. know, or she's in the bathtub. Yeah. You know, something like that. And nothing like that happened. Um. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I don't really feel like he got. Okay, so here's the deal. Had he had gotten the 30-day stay and they compared the DNA again and they compared the hair samples again and everything came out like, no, this is your guy? Yeah,
1: you know, this is definitively him, yes. Yeah. It'd been different.
0: It would be different. Okay, I kind of understand why you're doing it, even though he's mentally retarded and I don't agree with it. Right, I understand.
1: Yeah.
0: However, when you take the fact of that, he—I don't feel that he got a fair shake.
1: No, and, and the fact that the freaking detectives stopped looking for anybody else, right? When they found out about his past,
0: right? You know, and you, when we take it all into consideration, uh, like I said, if if they compared it again, I, I I wouldn't agree with his execution because of his diminished capacity. Right. But I would understand it. Yeah. I would. I'd be like, okay, you know what? That's what you guys decided to do. I don't agree. Yeah. But I understand why you're doing it. Yeah. But this is a case where, number one, they really haven't
1: proven yeah.
0: beyond a shadow of a doubt.
1: Exactly.
0: That he actually friggin' did it. True. And you, you, you couple that with the diminished capacity, probably, I mean, you're talking about somebody who can't write words unless you freaking spell it out for him.
1: Exactly. So he knows his ABCs and that's it.
0: And that's it. Yeah. So certain things happen just by uh, by growing up. For yeah. example. You learn things like um like how to read and write. And
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: whether you're taught in school or not. Like for example, if like I like hot sauce and on my desk right now is Melinda's garlic hot sauce.
1: Yeah, you have like Four jars over there, and I almost knocked one off and thought I was going to die. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's because someone loves me, and every time she sees it, she buys it for me. Um,
1: and, and let's do, let's be honest, folks, that's not me. No, that's not her. <laughs>
0: no. Nah. No, 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 no. Squatchy is not the person that does this. Anyway. No. Um, so by me liking this brand, I can spell Melinda. Yeah. Because, you know, I I can sound it out in my head. And mm-hmm. nobody taught me how to spell Melinda.
1: But you know how words form.
0: I know how words form. I know, uh, and I'm familiar with looking at that name every time I look at my hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Just like I know how to spell garlic because I use a lot of garlic. Yeah. Nobody sat down and said, garlic is spelled G-A-R-L-I-C, but I know how to spell it because life experiences taught me how to spell it. Makes sense, right? So you're talking a 27-year-old here. Who has 27 years of life experience, who cannot spell a word. Yes. A single word.
1: Yeah, at 27 years of age. Actually older. So, So, yeah.
0: in, 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 In all actuality, he doesn't even really know his ABCs. He just knows the shapes. Yeah. That these letters look like. Yes. He doesn't know an A is an A.
1: Yeah, he doesn't know the sound or the phonetics or anything like that.
0: Right. He. It sounds to me like he just knows the yeah. the, the name of the shape. Yeah. So if you say the the word is ant, A, and he knows what an A looks like, but he can't doesn't really know that it's A. Yeah. And he, or next a one n- is N. Or T. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't know that it's a N sound or a T sound. <laughs> exactly. Or ant. But he knows their shapes. No different than a... a a, a three-year-old putting blocks through the uh, through that square deal that has like a square oh, and a yeah. triangle and a circle. I love
1: that little thing, even as an adult.
0: <laughs> me too. Every time I go to the doctor's. I know, me too. <laughs> I, I sit over there and play. <laughs> when like, my
1: son was a kid, I was like, oh, got to give me that toy.
0: Oh, at the doctor's? I will actually sit over there and like, and parents will look at me like, do you mind if I play with you? Do you mind if I play with your kid? No, you don't understand. I want to play with these toys over here. I'm not like weird or freaky or anything. I just want to play
1: with the toys. I don't care if your kid's there. Yeah, like (laughs) I
0: just want to make sure you're cool with your kid. Like I'm not trying to abduct your kid or anything like that. I'm 48 going on five. That's what, I'm just not mature. I'm fucking not mature. The only thing that has changed in my life is the, is the, the, the cost of my toys. Yeah. That's really it. I'm just a giant freaking child.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Don't even know how the hell I run a company. You are a child, though. <laughs> but I'm fun to work for.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Well, except for when I'm sending you messages like, damn it. Damn <laughs> you it. You
1: act like you cut your fucking hand on a knife. Oh, my God. That ring was pops.
0: the ultimate for ring pops. I, I that to, was horrible. I had to have uh I had to have the shock value? And props.
1: And props, yes.
0: That's right. Because my jokes go all out. All right, are we ready to wrap this sad yeah. story up? Charles Anthony Boyd, buddy, I hope that you're honestly you're resting in peace and that you found peace in your life. Like, for real, man. That's just, you got a gotta shit bargain. All right, remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Bead on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We should pop right up for you. Get the full story without any of my BS attached to it. Let's see. What else? Oh, check us out on YouTube. We got a YouTube channel. It's got a little slidey show for you. So it's like a blog, but you get to hear me flap my lips. <laughs> 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 just get the flapping.
1: There's a flapping in the wind. <laughs> He's making sounds we don't know what they are.
0: It's with my <laughs> lips. No, not these ones. The other ones.
1: <laughs>
0: <Ew>. <laughs> Sicko. It smells like a fish fry in here. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And I'm actually going to leave this episode with this right here. Y'all go out there and do something kind for somebody, yeah. be nice to somebody. Kind of pay your good life or even your bad life. But you pay pay goodness forward, man. Like, seriously, be kind to one another for fuck's sakes. Yeah. Don't be an asshole.
1: Don't be an asshole your whole life.
0: Yeah, only only part of your life. Or I mean, Scott's whole life. Or, no. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you. Nah, you know I love dick. you.
1: <laughs> You're a dick.
0: <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow for our fe- Freaky Fetish Friday. Bye-bye. Yeah,
1: it's a good one, too. That's but, right. yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.